0: Welcome to Propel, a podcast by Fellowship Pacific to propel you and your ministry forward in the mission God has for you. I'm your host, Jessica Powell, and in today's episode, David Harita, our Regional Director here at Fellowship Pacific, talks with Mark Kinna, the Executive Vice President, Operations, and Chief Operating Officer at Baptist Housing. Baptist Housing has been one of our partnering agencies since they started in 1964. They are one of the largest faith based providers of seniors housing and care in British Columbia, serving over 2,700 seniors in 21 residences around the province. They have over 1,800 team members, and together they are all about providing housing, healthcare, and spiritual care ministry to seniors in our province. You'll get to hear Mark talk about the incredible ministry opportunities that exist in senior care and how the COVID-19 pandemic has only increased both the opportunity and need for the care and support they provide at Baptist Housing. He shares about how they've had to find different ways of providing that care and support in this time, and he shares ways that we can be helping and ministering to seniors as well. So, let's listen in now to David's conversation with Mark Kinna.
1: Hello, uh, my name is David Reed. I'm the Regional Director for Fellowship Pacific, and glad to be doing this podcast, spending some time with all of you in our churches and our a range of people in our various cities and places around British Columbia and Yukon. Today we're spending some time with Mark Kinna. Uh, Mark Kinna is a friend I've known for quite a while. He's a friend to Fellowship Pacific, has been involved in it for a long time, and is really important in the work that Baptist Housing does. Uh, some of you maybe don't know this, Baptist Housing is one of maybe our largest a partnering agency with Fellowship Pacific, and they do a lot of really great things in partnership with us. So that's been going back right to 1964 when they started. So this isn't something new or um, something we just developed recently, but rather been involved in that kind of partnership for a long time. Uh, from my impression, who wasn't here in 1964, obviously, but I feel like the relationship right now is probably better than it has ever been, and it's been good in the past, but I think it's really great now, and I know Fellowship Pacific, churches and individuals, and in us as a ministry center have used their services for a really long time, so in all kinds of ways, actually, and maybe we'll get into as we go along. Uh, Mark, do you want to introduce yourself, maybe?
2: Sure. Thanks, David. Uh, yeah, so I'm the chief operating officer with Baptist Housing, and have, uh, I've had the privilege of, of working in this ministry since 2006. Um, I'm a fellowship guy, going back to 1988 when I started to attend South Delta Baptist Church, uh, and uh, in 1996 moved uh, out to the Langley area where uh, we started to attend Southridge Fellowship Baptist when it started, and so uh, have been involved in the fellowship for a, a long time. Haven't been around since 1964. Uh, but, uh, uh, sure, I'm glad to work with Baptist Housing now uh, in the the great work we do, uh, not only with seniors in BC, but also uh, to support the fellowship around the province. Right. And, actually,
1: one of the things with Mark, he did not mention, this is his official title. I looked it up, so I was super impressed, Mark, by your important title. I'm going to try and get a more important title, but yours is Executive Vice President of Operations and Chief Operating Officer, so that's a pretty big handful.
2: Mark. Yeah, it's um, so mar- it's Mark for short.
1: Yeah, Mark, for sure. (laughs) I should add as well, just for those of you that don't know Mark, Mark is a worship leader um, at Southridge Fellowship, where I also attend. And one of the things I've appreciated about Mark a lot is that um, when he's leading worship, he's truly in the moment, present in the moment, enjoying the opportunity to do that. So you're rarely going to see somebody uh, enjoy the worship more as a leader than you'd see that In Mark, so just Mm -hmm. the smile on his face and enjoyment of it's something that I really enjoy and appreciate. So, in case I haven't said that to you, Mark, thanks for that. Thanks, David. Noticeable for that. Um, Well, why don't you tell us a little bit in that big job title that you've got of what the scope of your role is in Baptist Housing, what you do?
2: Well, uh, I'm involved in uh, in leading our operations, and so uh, we have 21 residences around the province uh, of BC. We're in the interior. Uh, Salmon Arm and Armstrong, uh, then in the Okanagan and Kelowna, um, in the Lower Mainland, and then over in the Victoria area. Uh, and so in those 21 residences around the province, we serve over 2,700 uh, seniors who live with us in affordable housing, independent living, assisted living, or long-term care. Uh, we have a large team. We've got over 1,800 team members who serve with us. Uh, and our ministry is, is really all about housing, health care, and spiritual care ministry. So uh, seniors are, are, are a vibrant harvest field uh, as, uh, you know, often they're reflecting on their lives and seeking a spiritual connection, uh, even when we might think that they've already made those decisions, uh, they're actively uh, seeking. And so it's a, it's a privilege to serve them in that way. Uh, one of the other cool things that we're involved in, uh, in the last couple of years is the spiritual care training program, uh, which, uh, Ray Sosi has been leading for us. Uh, and uh, we've been training up uh, our, our volunteers and also partnering with the fellowship and churches to help train people on how to offer spiritual care, uh, and specifically with seniors and people who might have dementia. So there's a lot of, uh, of great things that are happening uh, across the province and, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a great organization. And as you can see, it's a, it's kind of broad and deep in terms of who we serve across the province.
1: Yeah, and it's, it's really large. So one of the things I think that many of our churches wouldn't know, Mark, is just the scope of it. So it, would it be accurate for me to say you are the largest faith-based uh, seniors care provider where housing is concerned in British Columbia?
2: Uh, we're definitely one of the largest. I think, uh, you know, Salvation Army has a, a very large uh, organization, and, and it has many facets to it as well. But in terms of, of uh, yeah, the denominational providers, we are definitely uh, one of the largest uh, at this point in the province. I think Good Samaritan is another one that is, is pretty large. But uh, to be in that many communities, uh, for us, is, uh, it, it's a privilege and an honor. You know, we don't take it for granted that we have that opportunity to serve that many people. Uh, Every day and not only them, but also their family members and loved ones as well
1: Yeah, one of the things that I I found kind of exciting about it And I've got to know more kind of from my role the last decade or so in this is To see how deep the roots of Baptist housing are in seniors care in BC and to Notice how much the government appreciates that so that's again something many of our guys wouldn't know typically in our churches. They're looking at uh, seniors care that kind of thing and they're thinking well The government and the church does not work hand in hand ever on this stuff, but I know the government really appreciates Baptist housing. They've come to you guys a fair bit in recent sorts of years talking to you and requesting you to take over things and actually lead them. Is that accurate as well?
2: Yeah, you know, it's it's an interesting time in, in our industry in the you know in the senior care senior living industry in BC and across Canada. It, it's a time of industry consolidation. It's and it's happening both on the for profit side and also on the nonprofit side. Um, and so basically, what can happen at this point is that there's a lot of nonprofits who maybe need the support in the changing world of uh, of our of our sector. Uh, and it might be because they have trouble recruiting board members or they don't have the organizational sophistication to kind of handle what's coming and the challenges or just the resources to be able to deal with uh, how the industry changes. Uh, and so because of our, I guess, our history, our, our relationship with government that goes back to the 60s um, and the strength of our team, we, we have this reputation uh, where government has invited us to, to get involved in In acquisitions, we've also been approached by uh, other nonprofit boards to speak with them about uh, kind of carrying their legacy forward into the future. Um, And so, you know, just just in the last year, the last 12 months, we've grown by one third through those kinds of uh, of opportunities. Uh, And so, it's uh, it's it's amazing to see it happen, really, because. You don't. You can't plan some of this stuff. Um, you know, we were we were before West Van City Council recently, and the mayor of West Van, um, her mother-in-law happens to live in one of our communities, and, and we didn't know that until we got before her. And and that's the kind of thing that you, that you can't plan. It's it's God going before us, and um, and it's His ministry. We don't uh, we, we we don't consider it any other way. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. I was at the opening for Wings New Transition Homes. Uh, which was just a month or two ago, just before sort of COVID hit, actually, I think beginning of December, maybe. Uh, and it was interesting, the Minister for Mental Health and Addictions was there, and she was just doing a little TV spot as part of a government funding for a transition home. And so for those of you who don't know, WINGS is Women in Need Getting Strength. It's another of our agencies that works with women uh, fleeing domestic violence. But I was at the opening for that, and Dale Cron from your office was there. And the minister um, noticed that he was there and noticed that WINGS was sort of Fellowship Pacific connected and Baptist Housing was connected and that we had, had a little conversation about some of the other things like New Hope and different things. And it was kind of like, it was a dawning for her. And it was interesting TV spot her talking about how our faith-based communities and Christian groups make such a big difference in our province. And I don't know that she had put together those different organizations as being tied together in one kind of family of churches so it's pretty exciting actually to see and and notice that and great to have Dale Cron there as well. Uh, Mark let me ask you a little bit about uh, what you're doing right now so one of the reasons this is timely for us to do this with you is uh, because of COVID-19 obviously so we're starting these podcasts hopefully it's a good thing that keeps on going but for now it's a way of encouraging our churches and also getting them to be able to pray for various parts of our family of churches as well. Um, So with 21 seniors' residences ranging in different kinds, as you mentioned, from independent living and rentals even right through to more complex care, there's obvious huge danger. And I'm sure that's a big issue for you guys right now. So how is that impacting you directly um, as an organization
2: well, I can tell you, uh, we we've uh, we we set up a COVID uh, response team um, pretty much right away uh, as this started to uh, to expand and grow in terms of the spread of the virus in BC. And so, uh, for the last month and a half, we've we've had a team that's been available 24 hours a day to support uh, anyone in our frontline uh, teams who have uh, issues that come up or. Uh, potential outbreaks that have happened. Uh, You you would have seen on the news that uh, specifically in long-term care, uh, there's a lot of of outbreaks that have happened. Um, Seniors are extremely vulnerable to the virus. And so uh, we've actually had two uh, cases within our own residences. they were declared outbreaks by the provincial health officer. Um, one one was a, a team mem- care team member at Inglewood Care Center in West Vancouver. The other was a resident at Evergreen Heights Assisted Living in White Rock. Uh, and in both cases, it was only a single case uh, that never went further. Yet uh, they call it an outbreak and they send in uh, you know their infection control teams to uh, to help you. Um, we're pretty thankful that in both those cases they didn't expand beyond that. And now. Ah, uh, both have been resolved, and the and the person is uh, is no longer testing positive in both those cases, which is which is great. But this impacts everything. It's it's you know you got some people who are now working at home, like many of the uh, offices have shut down. Um, but our people who are in frontline, uh, they're all working uh, very differently in terms of of how uh, they have to work and interact with residents. We're um, y- having to use the PPE, the personal protective equipment. Uh, Many people are working longer. There's often less team available to us than than normal because they've gone to the single site um, uh, rules in in terms of who's allowed to work where, and that's a a key thing to help reduce the spread is to not have healthcare workers working in multiple uh, locations so there's not cross-pollination. And and then we had to make tons of decisions about how we limit um, resident activities and interaction with family and visitation uh, and so it, it, it's it been a, a major shift in the way that we uh, conduct our ministry over the last two months, for sure. So a lot of things in
1: there that um, impact you and also a lot of things in there that we hear pretty much on the news every day, elements that. So let's just start with simple stuff. Do you guys have enough access to the protective equipment? Because we hear pretty regularly there isn't enough and um, people and some of these frontline workers are kind of afraid of going back to their family because of that. Do you guys have enough of that?
2: Uh, we, we are constantly dealing with uh, with shortages and the threat of running out. And if, if you have, uh, what's it what's kind of unique about this is, is that even if somebody has uh, symptoms of flu, even if we don't think it's, it's COVID-19, uh, we have to go on to droplet precautions, they call it. So you, you then have to wear whether it's the face shield or the mask or the you know the gloves and gown and so on uh, and so when you have uh, any residents on that all of a sudden you're burning through your your PPE uh, really quickly and so we face shortages in several of our locations uh, so far we've been able we've got a special team uh, who uh, their their job is to find kind of non-conventional sources of PPE um, from, you know, whether it be hardware stores or other industries or, or whatever we can find uh, that we can use and also go through the government and the health authorities to help us where they have supply. Um, but that would be an area where if any of our, our churches or church members have access to PPE, um, we would accept donations of that. And, uh, and if there isn't a Baptist housing residence close by, uh, Safe Care BC will also uh, accept donations uh, they have a provincial program for that it's a it's a key issue for uh, for addressing the virus and to try to reduce the the risk of spread yeah
1: and uh- problem for all kinds of places and with 21 residents is pretty much bound to be a problem for you too i guess it but, is yeah. yeah yeah it was interesting to me i was looking online yesterday mark just sort of in preparation for this about where some of the outbreaks were. i know howard had mentioned to me the two instances that you mentioned howard johnson the ceo for baptist housing had, had mentioned those spots i didn't realize that they considered them outbreaks that quickly i was reading some of the uh, criteria for what determines an outbreak and what doesn't. It's just kind of fascinating um, and a little bit terrifying to hear outbreaks. So when you hear those words, you're thinking, you know, 20, 30, 40 people, COVID-19 and deaths in the seniors' residences, all that kind of thing. So does that mean you guys have to control your message pretty well, be sure that you're consistent in what you're saying to people?
2: Uh, well, it, it changes everything when uh, when you get into a situation where you have an even a single case. And normally, an outbreak of flu is 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 when there are two or more people who show symptoms. You then start to take uh, take action. But in the case of COVID, if you get a single case, uh, even if the person it, maybe is a team member who's not coming to work, they're at home, uh, but you still go into outbreak mode. Uh, w- which means you're you're you know amping up your infection control in terms of cleaning. Uh, you're you're closing dining rooms so that you're not having residents congregate together. Um, you're you're having to um, uh, change the way that you that you work in the building so that people are not moving from uh, you know kind of floor to floor, but rather you're keeping people. Um, you know, working in a single place and not, not transmitting, uh, through housekeepers moving from, uh, you know, from floor to floor or wing to wing, uh, all of that stuff changes pretty, pretty fast. Um, Mm -hmm. and if you, you know, if you, if you do it right, uh, and, um, you know, as Dr. Bonnie Henry has talked about, you have, uh, timing and luck on your side. And we would, we would also say the Lord's blessing, you know, maybe you can, you can keep it from spreading. Um, you know, but some of these, uh, some of our peer providers have not been, um, you know, so fortunate and they've had, uh, you know, a lot of death uh, that has come as a result of this. And, uh, and I don't think that they haven't done things as well as us or anything like that. It, it, it's not, it's not like that. It's, uh, you, you can, you can, everyone's doing their best. Uh, but when it comes down to it, uh, some places, because of the way it's transmitted and, and how it transmits when you're asymptomatic. Uh, You just don't know who it's going to impact. And we've been very fortunate to not have it uh, worse than we have. Yeah, it's a scary deal,
1: I think, because you're just never sure. You know, the next day, it's probably a little bit intimidating to actually even say this kind of publicly, like in a podcast, because you know, tomorrow could be
2: different. And, uh, you know, so I guess that's a reality for it. It's true. You don't know what's going to happen next or or where it's going to spring up next. And I think we've all been surprised at some of the places. And again, it's it's an extremely unpredictable virus and the way that it spreads.
1: So, Mark, tell us, I don't know if you can do this, but let's try anyway, to kind of tell us what a day in the life of looks like for a person who's in some degree of care within one of your seniors' residences anyway. Um, you know, well, let's start, start. Is it the same for everybody in them regardless now? So some you have, again, that have rental, some have independent living, others under, are under a much more intensive complex care kind of scenario. Is it the same for everybody or do you have to segregate or separate the way you approach COVID and even the way you do restrictions depending on the, the group of people?
2: You know, it it started to, as a little bit different, um, depending on where where someone lived. But at this point, um, in in kind of the phase of the of the pandemic we're in, it's pretty much the same for for everyone. Um, you know, the people that probably have the most uh, freedom or discretion in terms of of how they live are the people who live in independent apartment buildings. Um, where they're not really receiving services from us, they're, they're in an apartment. And so uh, you can't be telling people that, that have an apartment that they can't come and go right. or they can't have visitors and so on. Uh, and so for us, it's the, it's the same. Our residents who are in those settings, we encourage them not to go out. We encourage them not to have visitors. Um, yet they have some freedom that, uh, that maybe other folks don't have who live where there's services and healthcare. Um, and in those apartment settings, we, you know, we're just trying to keep up with uh, with our, our cleaning of the elevators and doors and and railings and all of that, so that the, if if there are people that come and go and there is someone who comes in uh, who is infected, uh, we're we're disinfecting after they leave, uh, so that it doesn't spread into one of those buildings. But uh, at this point, in any of our other uh, residences, where in, in independent living or assisted living or long term care, um, it, it's pretty much. Um, you know, stay at home, just like uh, we're all being told. Uh, we're trying to encourage our residents to stay in your suite. Uh, you know, do, uh, do, do what you do in there, and uh, whether that's watching TV or connecting with family and friends on video conference or, or on the telephone and, and uh, you know, do, do puzzles, read books, you know, all, all those things that, that everyone is starting to do more, uh, that's what our residents are doing. The dining rooms are now uh, shut down. We're delivering meals to, to every suite, Um, our activity programs are limited to only activities where we can keep a two meter distance between residents. And so um, that can look like a a walk around the block if you're, if you're properly social distancing. And so we're, we're trying to take advantage of of some of those opportunities to do things where we, where we can. Um, Yet, we're really trying to say to our residents, don't go out unless you you need to for a medical appointment or for an emergency Uh, in terms of visiting, um, it, it, we're now at the point where essential visitors only, and, and that uh, essential really comes down to end of life care. So if your loved one is is close to passing, then you're able to visit, but otherwise, uh, vis- visitors are, are just seen as uh, as more risk, uh, and so we're trying to keep uh, visitation to the absolute minimum. And 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 the, and the trouble for a, a senior in this in, in in the way this is impacting everyone, is that isolation is, is has always been a major threat. Uh, to the health of seniors. When you're isolated, mm-hmm. that then leads to whether it's depression or malnutrition, if you don't, you don't eat right, and all, all those things they kind of uh, pile on top of each other. And so now we're in a situation where isolation is the thing that can save lives. And so you're on this tough fence to straddle, uh, where the very thing that can save lives in terms of not spreading the virus is a thing that is very detrimental uh, to seniors, and that's being alone. Uh, and so uh, again we're having to do things differently our chaplains are now doing visitation by phone or by video conference Uh, uh, one of our chaplains is reading our daily bread with residents over the phone uh, so that uh, he can have uh, that time with them and and minister to them Uh, we've got facetime programs with uh, family members we've had you know literally hundreds and hundreds of facetime calls that, that we facilitate between residents and their family so that they can stay connected and so every day is very much different from what it used to be. I mean, our environments are highly social places where there is a, just a, a, an abundant activity program and all of that has kind of ground to a halt and we're trying to facilitate the connection between people uh, because that will, uh, that will help to keep people alive uh, and sustained through the, the duration of the pandemic. Yeah, big deal and pretty
1: hard to do, I think. And we, I think we read, about that pretty much every day in newspaper or something about that balance between isolation, needing it, and yet it being difficult for seniors
2: as well. So and you know, just, just, to, just to say at the beginning of this, I think people were, uh, weren't very happy when we started to do things like vit- restrict visitation or, or start to reduce programs. And then all of a sudden we hit this tipping point where for residents and their families, we weren't moving fast enough. And they were saying, yeah. close the dining room, Restrict more visitation. Don't let people go outside. And so I think people got it in their heads that this is real, uh, and that that in some ways made it easier for us to then take the steps we needed to take uh, to protect people. Yeah, you're probably a microcosm,
1: a heightened microcosm of society in that. So it'll be interesting when you start to loosen restrictions. How you get flack in both directions as well? Not fast enough and doing it too fast. So I'm sure that'll happen. Hey, yep. Mark, you mentioned chaplain, so. Uh, one of the things that's kind of intriguing for a conservative evangelical group like our own family and a large, uh, broad-based kind of uh, agency like yourself, you serve all kinds of people, not just people from a Christian tradition, and yet you have chaplains there and we know that you care a lot about sharing the gospel with all of the individuals and helping disciple those that are already know Christ that are in there. So can you give us any stories of kind of opportunities that maybe have arisen out of this, um, realizing again that you have to behave ethically and with appropriateness to people of different faith traditions?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you, you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, we uh, we have spiritual care uh, chaplains in every one of our residences around the province. Uh, we've got a great number of spiritual care volunteers who are part of our, our ministry as well. Uh, and we're, we're open to support our residents, no matter what kind of background they have and, and even what faith uh, they might have grown up in or, or are currently pursuing. Uh, we want to get into a spiritual dialogue with people uh, if they're willing and if they want to. And so, uh, as usual, th- this has given us an opportunity to do that. And you know, One of the areas where uh, y- y- you're able to have conversations with people right now is just around fear. Uh, because this is such a, I think everyone's had their own experience with fear in a different way uh, through the pandemic. And so uh, it opens doors when people go through uh, a situation like this where, where a chaplain can get into a conversation about uh, why we're afraid um, and, and, and how you know, God can, uh, and the presence of God uh, can help us to deal with the fear that we face uh, and have peace and comfort uh, in the Lord. Uh, and so that's a, that's a conversation that springs from the pandemic. And I think just like all of us get into those conversations uh, in our own personal lives uh, that are different during the pandemic, it's the same for our residents. They're, they're experiencing uh, whether it's uh, I'm lonely, uh, I can't connect with my community or my family, uh, whatever the need is, it gives us an opportunity to come alongside and support um, whether the person's a follower of the Lord or, or not, we're, we're, we're wanting to be there to provide that kind of assistance. Um, in, in terms of the way that we uh, maybe are changing and having to shift and adjust how we, how we do some of our spiritual care ministry, uh, we've had uh, a couple unique things happen, and uh, probably there's, there's dozens of stories that we could tell. Uh, one comes out of Armstrong, where uh, many of our residents are used to having a good Friday service, uh, in our apartment building, there, uh, of course, they they weren't able to do that, but they took it a, on their own initiative to to set up a service in the parking lot, uh, and so they uh, they had the chaplain set up the sound equipment, and these residents came out with instruments, and and uh, they they had a Good Friday service right there in the parking lot with uh, with every resident invited. Uh, they were all in lawn chairs, kind of spread out across the parking lot area, uh, so they could they could still so celebrate Good Friday and. Uh, and invite their neighbors to do so also. Uh, so that's just a great story of even how residents initiate that uh, to make sure that, um, that the gospel is proclaimed and also Jesus is celebrated. Uh, another example is in our Abbotsford uh, residences where uh, family members, uh, some folks from our head office, and uh, local church members uh, came together and, and did Easter services from the, uh, the outside of the building uh, in Abbotsford there. And they actually did it five times. They kept moving around the building, uh, in, 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 so that, awesome. that every, every resident could, could out the window on, on their balcony, uh, be a part of that. And, you know, j- just like the community around us, our residents are not, uh, the majority of them are not, are not believers. Uh, we, we, we reflect the community in a, in a residence like, uh, like we have in Abbotsford. And so, you know, there are people there who are are hearing from their window or their balcony, uh, music and, and, uh, and a sermon that proclaims the, the resurrection message of Easter. Uh, and, and they get it five times around the building. It was just an awesome way for, for us to reach out to them. And, uh, and chaplain, our our chaplain, uh, Randy Evans out there, uh, did a great job of, uh, of speaking to the people. So the gospel is being spread in creative ways, uh, through the crisis, uh, you know, not only at Baptist housing, but everywhere. Uh, we've got to be, uh, we got to respond to the challenge, Uh, uniquely and creatively. Yeah, it's
1: interesting. I have a privilege, I think most, a number of last years anyway, to drop in on your chaplain's retreat and spend a bit of time with them Mm. when they meet together with Ray Soce and uh, run through. It's a great group of people, very committed to sharing Christ and it's uh, a fascinating world in which they do that. And you do have some people, crazy people like Randy Evans, who will find some way to share Christ no matter what. Exactly. uh, Yeah, that's exciting. And interesting, and always sort of fun to listen to, of course, Randy's great to hear stories from at any time as well, because he'll let that roll for us. So last question for you, Mark, Um, Try and honor your time a little bit. So how can our churches or people help you guys? You've got, again, these people in a lockdown scenario where they're isolated. Is there anything that our churches that are around your residences could do that would be helpful to you or encouraging to your residences, residential people, I guess? Yeah,
2: I, well, if I can uh, if I could step up on a bit of a soapbox, uh, the, the most important thing that everyone can do is to stay home. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and I think we've heard that message, but I want to repeat it. Uh, the majority of the deaths that have happened uh, in, in our province and, and across the country are happening to seniors in long-term care or in the community. Um, and the less the virus spreads, the less seniors die. And every one of these seniors is somebody's uh, grandma or grandpa. Um, and so that's, that's really important for us to take it seriously. Uh, some, some people are actually kind of downplaying the virus and comparing it to influenza and saying, you know, more people die from influenza, and yet we, you know, here we are focused on COVID-19. Uh, and I would spin that around and, and challenge people uh, to take COVID really seriously, but also take influenza more seriously. There's not enough people who are getting their flu shot every year uh, to reduce the transmission of influenza. Uh, and when we get a, a vaccine for COVID, we should be getting our COVID shot as well. Um, so th- that that is going to help uh, seniors greatly uh, in our ministry so that we don't uh, have to have to support families who are losing a loved one uh, because of COVID or influenza or anything else. Uh, the other uh, other area we talked about it earlier is just uh, personal protective equipment, that PPE. Uh, if, our, if our churches or, or church members have access to PPE, uh, that, they, that they can donate to Baptist Housing or to Safe Care BC, uh, that would be very much appreciated. It's, it's literally hard to find, and you get down to a day's supply sometimes, and you're wondering, how do you provide safe care if you don't have enough masks or face shields to do so? Uh, and so that's a, a huge deal. Uh, then on a personal level, I would ask uh, everyone to reach out to the seniors around them. Reach out to the seniors in your church. Um, many of them right now may not have a lot of social connection uh, and they need it. And so uh, in our church, uh, we've been challenged by pastor Brent to reach out to two people, uh, two people a day uh, to make a connection. And I would just encourage people reach out to a couple of seniors in your church to make sure that they're not uh, that isolation isn't getting the best of them. is, is probably the best way to put it. And then if we can all pray for the flattening of the curve uh, and that they, uh, the virus will slow in terms of its spread and also that uh, we'll be able to find a, an antiviral treatment for it uh, and, and develop that so that we can, uh, we can slow the spread uh, and have less death resulting from COVID-19. That would be uh, what I would want to ask from, from our churches.
1: Yeah, that's great, Mark. And one of the really good things about this call is because we're both in the same church, this is one of our two people that we talk to during the day. So we only have to do one more. That's the great news out of that.
2: Well, I think my wife just got home, so I can say hi to her. Yeah, you can cover them both off, right? Just like
1: that, exactly. Uh, Anyway, thanks for spending the time with us to do this. Uh, We appreciate it. I think anybody in kind of my stage of life at least has, you know, parents, I have two sets of parents still here, which is a blessing from the Lord. So my wife's are both parents are both 91 minor in their um, 80s, mid 80s. And um, I think COVID scares all of us. And we're phoning our parents all the time telling them stay in, stay in, stay in. Mm -hmm. So your advice um, applies right across the board, just to individually, where parents are still at home and to seniors throughout our province, because they certainly are at risk. So Appreciate very much what you guys do and the work you're putting into this. You're right at the forefront of, uh, like you said, where many of the deaths, maybe the majority of the deaths are coming from. And so it's, uh, it's a scary time. So we will be praying for you. Appreciate the partnership so much and appreciate you spending the time to uh, share that a bit with us today.
2: Thank you, David.
0: Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you will continue to be in prayer for our partners at Baptist Housing, especially right now as they are very much on the front lines during this pandemic. And as Mark shared, they do have an urgent need for personal protective equipment. If you have any to donate, you can do so at any of their locations or at SafeCare BC, and you'll find links to both of those in our show notes. As always, our team at the Fellowship Pacific Ministry Center is committed to serving you. To find out more about the resources we have available and how we can support you, visit www.fedpacific.ca.